The rebels believe that the glowing eye people are too powerful to destroy directly. They believe they can only be destroyed by attrition. Attrition. What does that mean? Uh, attrition is the gradual diminution of strength or number by... I know what the word means. I meant in context. My God. They, they must want to kill all possible hosts. Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Haight. This week, we're talking Season 2, Episode 20, Show and Tell. Mm. Or are we showing it? No, no, we're telling it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Our synopsis from TV Guide. A boy arrives through the gate to warn Earth of an impending attack by an invisible race of aliens bent on destroying humanity. It's pretty accurate. The Stargate Wikis is very long, so I will not read it. Uh, this episode aired either January 27th, 1999, or February 26th, 1999. One of those dates is probably right. That's true. Uh, is directed by Peter DeLuise, who we talked about last week. He's a big name in Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. And was written by Jonathan Glasner, whom we have also talked about. Also a big name in Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. In other languages... Uh, we have a couple other people who are show and tell. The French call it the invisible enemy. The Spanish call it the invisible threat. And the Germans call it new foes. I think I like the invisible threat. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah. Also, the Russians have to be different, and they call it tell and show. In Soviet Russia. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you remember about this episode, Stuart? I'm going to have a surprising answer. Nothing. Oh, uh, yeah, I have the exact same response. I I know I've seen this episode. I didn't even remember seeing this episode. Like, uh, no, no, no. I know I have. I don't remember having seen it. I've seen the description of this a couple times, obviously. Sure. So, like, I was like, show and tell. Okay, that's that one based on the description. But, no, I remember absolutely nothing about watching this episode. Or even when I may have watched it in the past. But I know I must have. Sure. <laughs> I think that any time that I would have seen, like, a clip from this episode, specifically, like, of the boy, you know, I probably just would have thought that, oh, that's from that season three episode. Mm. Yeah. And, okay, so, like, like, just to get it out of the way, I didn't like this episode. I didn't hate this episode, but I'm not... Let me tell you what really bothers me. Okay, so for an episode that plays on existing canon very nicely, like we had a callback to Spirits, we obviously mm-hmm. have a callback to the Tok'ra, we even see the device from, from the, the Tolan. Yeah. That, yeah, so we had a lot of nice callbacks. We never see the Ritu again. Yeah, that's what was bothering me a lot, too. And I, I mean, was obviously wondering... we wouldn't see them, but you get what I mean. Haha. <laughs> 
I was wondering if I would be more engaged in the episode, even on my initial watch through this week. I was one like while watching it, I'm like, but I'm pretty sure we never ever ever see or hear about these guys ever again. Like other than maybe like oh hey, those things we used to see the Ritu, we can use them to see these other things. Like like I have to imagine like that's how it might come up again. At but, some point they suggest the Ritu might have been behind something, but it turned out they weren't. Yeah, so like, that's all we're going to get out of these folks. We're never going to come across them again, which I know, having seen every episode of the show, mm. at least once. So like, even when, when I was watching it earlier in the week, not just during like when I was making all my notes, it was like, I just nothing about this is is pulling me in because I know it go- doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like it it's last week's episode, one false step mm-hmm. is okay. Well, it, yeah, it it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um but also like I had no like, there was nothing about that story that was like, "Ooh, I wonder if we'll see these guys again." And and if we don't that's okay. But this one where it's like, I'm here to warn you about an imminent threat of these crazy aliens that you can't see. We're going to leave you with only two weapons that can detect them, etc., etc. It's like, oh, ah, yeah. No, no, no. It, the, it, like, I know that nothing's going to come of this. Yeah. Because I've seen every other episode. Yeah, last week felt like a one-off. This felt like it was going to be part of the overall story arcs. Yeah, and with as close as we are to the end of the season, it's like, ooh, is this how the season's gonna build? Yeah. Like, is this how we're is this how we're gonna like hit the end of the season? That's interesting. Like, it's just a whole new baddie. Like, if they didn't tie so many existing elements of the show into this episode, then I still would feel like we should be able, we should see the Ritu again, or not, as the case may be. But Especially because we involve the Tok'ra. The Tok'ra clearly are very mm-hmm. familiar with them, etc., etc. Et they really missed an opportunity on this by just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if SG-1 had encountered this threat off-world... Mm-hmm. Then it would be okay for it to be a one and done thing, even if like even if it ends on a note of and like you know now the Ritu know that you exist and you know you, you better watch out if you can because they're invisible, like you know it, something like that. But it takes place in the base. We get warned about the imminent imminent threat. We see the like two hundred of them. Speaking of which, what the heck kind of range do these? I was wondering that. Yeah, that seems anyway. a bit insane. Tense that they had the range. Also, what kind of what the heck kind of range does the like gold trembling have? Yeah, for real. Because he didn't feel it at all from Mother until you entered the room, but he felt it from the two hundred Ritu half a mile away. Maybe it's like a multiplicative effect when there's more of them. Also, how do they know that only five came through the gate? Uh, yeah, when like you know we we did our checks and none came through the gate. Like, oh no, some came through the gate. Well, it's only five. <laughs> right. You just only saw five. That doesn't mean there are only five. Well, I mean, you've only... Yeah. And if they've only killed five, there's 195 still waiting to do things. I mean, we didn't get an exact count, but yeah, sure, that that that's a reasonable number. So, the very beginning of the episode, did it feel to you like those SGC personnel were flirting? A little. I was also wondering what that gadget the guy had was. It just looked weird. L- looked like the... 
the thing they use to detect radiation? The Geiger counter? Yes, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I guess a little, but not It even really? had, like, yellow and black stripes on it. Yeah, it, but it didn't really look like a Geiger counter that I'd ever seen before. But we've definitely seen the text using those before. Usually when someone comes through the gate, you'll see them, like, waving it or over them. They just hadn't, like, really noticed because it was never the only thing on screen. Hmm. So, interestingly enough, um, when Charlie comes through the gate and you see and the, the you see the guy behind the machine gun poke his head around, mm-hmm. that was Peter DeLuise. Yes. I didn't know this. I looked it up. Ah. You, you thought he looked familiar, so you're looking up who he was, or...? Yes, and then while I was there, I was looking and saw that, no, 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 like, the the only two people in this episode who we have not seen before are the kid and Peter DeLuise, neither of whom have ever been in the dead zone. Oh, we've seen the, we saw random Toker guy before? Well, he didn't have a speaking part, so. Also, when they're, like, dividing up to hunt down and Jack's, you know, saying, you know, Jacob, Carter, Chu, C8. Teal, Rothman, Brecker, C3. Daniel, Plunkett, you're with me. Let's yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I was there when I watched it. Yeah. I, I wrote I wrote down, bef- well, like, as soon as they're doing this, I'm like, getting a real red shirt vibe from these random guys, and then, oh, hey. The blast imprint left by the guy when he gets retooed, it felt really out of place given the tone of the rest of the episode. It also didn't make sense, because the imprint was left as if he had been in the slumped dead position when he got shot. Was he definitely standing and not, like, crouching? I, I, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Shot, yeah. Maybe he got blasted twice. Yeah, it's possible. But anyway. All right. That is something I had not considered. I was mostly focusing on the fact that it's like, that's usually something that you see, like, in a more comical scenario. So these TERs... If they have ridiculous range, as they clearly do, why do we only have handheld ones? Why is there not, like, the, you know, turret-mounted one that just spins around so that you can always see it at least a mile around you with their R2? Is it necessary for them to be as noisy as they are? (laughs) That, too. Speaking of noise, do the Ritu footsteps not make noise? All right. Speaking of the Ritu not being a parent um did carter's explanation sound like bullcrap to you which one the particles and waves lined up 180 degrees off from ours well since i'm not a physicist i'm not either it just sounded like crap well here's what i know i know that with polarizing lenses mm-hmm. uh and they are designed to deflect light that is not coming in at the correct angle. Mm-hmm. And because light is a wave, how it bounces off certain things means that its angle is going to shift. And so if the light hits it at 90 degrees compared to, you know, like, think of it like, you know, like slats on a blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, if some if you have a piece of paper and you're trying to slip it through you know someone's blinds 
if you put it parallel to the ground, it'll fit through just fine. But if you hold it vertical to the ground, it's not going to work. Light sort of works the same way. It's super duper weird. Where light really gets weird in a quantum state is that under certain circumstances, as you pass light through additional polarizing filters, eventually more light starts... Like, you know, you, you put a polarizing filter there and it, like like half the light goes through or something put another polarizing filter then a quarter of the light goes through put another polarizing filter in the place and now all of a sudden like 40 percent of the original amount of light is going through like somehow light is skipping steps huh. light waves are light. weird okay yeah the 180 degree thing i don't know like that's where like my incredibly rudimentary understanding of light mechanics completely falls apart. So if light waves are weird, I'll buy that. What yeah. about physicality? Yeah, it it seems to me it feels unlikely that anything that I don't know, it it just it it seems odd that they exist in such a state that they don't like nothing about them interacts with Except kind of. If you just shoot it, it might slow it down. Maybe they don't make noise. Maybe they just, like, don't communicate verbally at all, and they don't, like, like, or anything like that. Um, so that explains why we can't hear them. Maybe they only communicate telepathically. It, yeah, it just seems, it, it just seems odd to me that their skin somehow would, like, completely and totally allow light to pass through it. Yeah. Like, that just seems weird to me. But that would explain why they could interact with things, but it would not explain why or why they would still be... Yeah, there's a lot about this that I that I don't care for. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to be out of phase, but also be able to press a keyboard. Yes. Like, the people being out of phase and being invisible, that's a standard sci-fi trope. But when that happens, usually they pass through matter, except for floors. For some yeah, they're always just they never standing pass there. Through the floors. Yeah, they'll walk right through a wall, but they won't. Yep. Yeah. So the T E R stands for transphase eradication rod. Hmm. One of these words is not like the other. It also right. doesn't look much like a rod to me. Right. Yeah. I uh, I listened about a half a dozen times. It was definitely Rod that I was hearing. But it, I even tried to like put myself in a place where it's like, maybe he's saying Ray. Maybe he's saying Ray. Laurel. Laurel. But that's not a Rod. No, maybe early prototypes were, and then it's like, well, the name has stuck. It's possible. I guess. I find it interesting that the Toker also share the U.S. military's fascination with acronyms. Maybe just Jacob slash Selmak does. Ooh, that's a possibility. The other Toker never talks. That's true, the other Toker never talks. He just gets ordered around in a weird way. Yeah. Alright, so, Jacob gets injured. Yes. Why does he change to Selmak's voice to tell Sam to leave, and that's the one that works? Because he had just gotten done telling Sam to go on and go kill the thing. Selmak will take care of me. Selmak can take care of me. And then Selmak chiming in to say, yes, but like, you know, in fewer words to say, yes, I will go kill the thing. Okay. That's how I interpreted it, at least. So I feel like we need to, like, 
talk about something good because we have sort of been ripping this episode apart and it wasn't terrible it was no Hathor it was no uh, that terrible episode Emancipation I've got I've got good things to say about this one okay good lay it on me all right well first of all uh, so when the the kid first steps through and they're like, well, we need to search the kid. And Jack's like, let's have Carter do it. I was about ready to be like, hey, come on. Oh, never mind. That's a good reason. You're right. Yeah, she can detect Nakwada. I thought it was going to be the, well, let's have the woman search the, the kid. It's like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then later, uh, when Charlie is like, oh, I was crying. I'm not supposed to cry. And Jack's like, no, nah, whatever. In fact, there's an official list of reasons for which crying is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, good. like you know, like way to way to smack down that toxic masculinity, Jack. You're yeah. like a good like fifteen, twenty years ahead of your time. And it's especially impressive coming from Jack. Yeah. Like if Daniel was doing it, then you know, still kudos, but because Jack is a very masculine person. Mm-hmm. Not in a, not in a toxic way, just yeah. in a masculine way. Mm-hmm. Conventional masculine ideals. Yes, that's a yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. Okay, so I have some questions about the final showdown in uh, the uh, medical lab. I may have some answers. Ooh, excellent. I don't know. Ask, ask your questions. All right. So Charlie and Mother are just hanging out, even though there's two Rebel Ritu in there? Yeah, so Mother doesn't see the Rebel Ritu. Charlie should also see them, presumably. Yeah. And then... Later, they say Mother got one of them. When did Mother get one of them? Okay. Because this was super obvious, so it's weird that you didn't see this. So, they do their hand signal thing, and I couldn't quite tell what they were saying. Oh, I, I guess. liked that scene. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was kind of hoping for... This is something that you and I had talked about, not on the show, but on the Netflix Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. There is... Uh, because of you, thanks, I often will watch things with subtitles, also because I don't want to disturb my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they're in this cave, and they're not allowed to make any noise in the cave, because they're, they're these creatures that hunt by sound. Mm-hmm. And they're making hand signals at each other. If you have subtitles on, they give you subtitles for what the hand signals are. If you turn off subtitles, you just see the hand signals. You don't get any mm-hmm. description at all of what it is they're trying to communicate to each other, which I thought was just like the wildest thing that I had never seen before. I wanted those for that scene right there because yes. Jack was like trying to tell Daniel something. And Daniel's uh, what I was pretty sure Daniel was saying back was like, yeah, but dude, there are people in there because then Jack's reply was, I know go in anyway. Yeah. I, I guess like, I guess Daniel was trying to warn him, like, you know, there's all those people in there, crossfire, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know what Jack was trying to tell Daniel at the beginning. That's not important. Anyway, so they go into the room, and Jack has the TER, mm-hmm. and he's waving the, the, the rod around, and he comes across the Ritu, and the Ritu fires and disables Jack. Daniel picks up the TER, points it at the Ritu that just disabled Jack. The Ritu explodes with a Ritu blast, because uh, the T-E-R blast and the Ritu blast look completely different from each other. I missed that. I thought Daniel yes. did shoot... The so third. then, okay. Daniel sweeps left to see where the heck did this come from. Okay. I somehow the kids yell. The kid yells, No! Daniel yeah, realizes I, I, I this is mother. Part. I got that part. And, and he's like, Hey, hold your fire. And then, by the other one, yes. And then the kid, yes, the kid cries out, Mother! Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, I somehow missed that the first Ritu was not hit by the T-E-R. Yeah, it was super duper obvious. Well, I'm oblivious. Yes. But we do come back to my original point of why were mother, why was Mother just chilling with these Rebel Ritu in the room until Jack and Daniel show up? Yes, because it seems exceptionally unlikely that the Rebel Ritu are somehow out of phase also from other Ritu. Right. I don't ha- know how you could build anything close to a society if you... <laughs> yeah. And I have one other question. Okay. So after Mother shoots the computer... Yeah. We cut to commercial break. And we come back, and we have a close-up of the computer. Right, they're like examining it. And they've moved the computer to the conference room. Where's your question? Why did they move the computer to the conference room? So they could better crowd around and examine it but why do they need to crowd around because it's not like they were actually talking about the computer then it's just we just see that presumably for continuity's sake as a transition to see yeah looking at it but from a logical story sense it makes no sense for them to have moved the broken computer from the medical lab to the conference room yeah no you're right like that did kind of like tickle my brain a little bit like that seems weird but i i like that was like the last of the thought that i gave it so interesting did you notice that charlie says for crying out loud i missed that you missed a lot of things were you out of phase during this episode i may have been out of phase during this episode (laughs) 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 yeah i think it was when yeah it it was when selmak showed up because jack didn't greet selmak um and so they they take him into the room, and like before they got into the room, like either like someone had knocked or they heard the, heard the footsteps or something, and Char- and Charlie is like, oh, for crying out loud, and Jack gives him a little like kind of ah. Did it seem weird to you that Jack was completely okay with this random kid taking his son's name? Yes, I felt like Jack was gonna say, "I'd rather you use a different name" or something like that. Yeah. I guess he got some closure with Crystal Jack. Yeah, that's probably. He could have been like, no, 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 no. Do you want a good name for you? Daniel, because you're going to die, but then come back. Nice. Also, I totally thought the kid was dead at the end of the episode. I did, too. Like, his arms went limp. Yeah, I mean, that's like classic TV. He going to die. He was totally dead, but he wasn't dead. No, apparently now he's going to be a Tok'ra. Yeah, and that's why he goes off with the Tok'ra. And then we never see him again. Nope. But don't worry, Charlie. We can visit each other. No, you won't. You don't know how many times he visits off screen. Man, I feel like we get more closure from that season, like, five or six episode where there's the the people with the nanites. Yeah. Yeah, oh, is that, I don't remember the title of that episode, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Where the where the where the only way they learn is that they have certain children with nanites, and then once the kids have learned something, they pull the nanites from the brain and leave the kids, yeah. uh, not vegetables, but less intelligent people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a it's a reverse giver. Yes. Yeah. Still haven't seen that movie, and I'm okay with that. Same here. I don't need to see the movie. I did like the bit with uh, with attrition. Yes, where Daniel's explaining, he's like, no, Daniel, yeah. I know what attrition means. 
yeah, Jack's been in the military for like a hundred years or something. He knows what attrition is. He just doesn't understand like how are the Ritu attacking us a form of attrition? So th- are there really only billions of potential gold hosts in the galaxy? Are there not trillions? Well, maybe there are trillions. You have to. I mean, you have to figure. At the time that this came out in '99, we were still sitting at what five and a half, six billion, something yeah. like that, right? Most of the planets planets they've encountered are pretty sparsely populated. Yeah, but then we also have like Kelowna. Yeah, we do. But, but, okay. Here's a good example. Galaxy's big, man. I recognize that. So Kelowna is effectively like 1940s, 50s tech. Uh, yeah, that's a fa- that's a fair point. So they, I don't know how many people we had at that time. At our bicentennial, we had I think it was 180 million people in the country. Okay, what was the world's population at that time, though? I have no idea. But the fe- but I mean. We had positive population growth in this country in the time since then, and we doubled. Like, no, no, no. I think it was closer to 150 because I want to say that, like, at like between the bicentennial and the early 2000s, our population had doubled. That's not surprising at all, right? So, if the Colonians are 1950s era tech, I mean, there's a big gap between one. Like, there's 999. Right, yeah billion people between one billion and one trillion that's so and then you would need even more to have trillions right and quite frankly even a trillion people is still billions of people Hmm. all right so yeah the in 1950 the global population was two and a half billion right so i mean like you know we we doubled we i mean damn near tripled now in the past 60 years but so also geez yes Growth rate has been going down, though. Growth rate? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at a chart here. Because uh, from between 2000... or, or cause, Well, no, the 2010 is a projection. I, uh, but, but between 1990 and 2000, it was a growth rate of 12.6%. Mm-hmm. But like it was 20% between 1960 and 1970, for instance. Yeah, I was wondering if it was growth rate or birth rate, because I know that birth rate was going down, but that's a good thing, because it's usually indicative of increased uh, living yeah, standards uh, and yeah, education. Specifically growth rate, just the, the raw okay. numbers, not... Yeah. But, I mean, you know, that's that's fine, whatever. So, yeah, anyway. So, yes, we have we continue to have lots of people, because we have lots of people, but we are, and the projections are that it is going to continue to go down, so... Well, it is going to keep getting bigger. It's going to be getting bigger, bigger not as in a smaller way. It, yeah, it's still <laughs> going to be getting bigger really fast, and honestly, as fast or faster as it was before, but not at the same percentage each time, which would just get huge really quickly. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. This has been demographics weekly. Hmm. Uh, not Walter has a little bit of a five o'clock shadow. Okay. Neat. I'm just thinking, you know, in the Air Force, that probably shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So when they're playing their Ritu uh, ex- uh, eradication game, mm-hmm. two things made me go, wow. Before the guy gets blasted in the hallway against the blast door and leaving the imprint behind him, mm-hmm. 
Daniel says, what happens if they come through the door behind us? Yeah. What the heck kind of stupid question is that? Because, like, there's only two doors behind Daniel. There's the blast door they just closed, and the Ritu can't walk through walls. Or can they? They can't. And there's the door they just walked through. And since they're, like, closing... Like, they're closing, like, they're closing things as they go and have cleared the area, so... Yeah. There's no opportunity for the Ritu to come from behind them. And that was just the distraction that was needed to make sure that Airmen, it was nice to know ya, got blasted. Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly like red shirts. Because we hear their last names, and then they die. Yeah. And then the other one I had was when Sam is solo going after that last Ritu, the one in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Very impressive grenade throw, you know, like around the corner, off the desk, in the elevator, nothing but net. Yeah, I was impressed with the with the banking on that. That could have quite literally blown up in her face. Well, it could have blown up 20 or 30 feet from her face, certainly. <laughs> yes. It was unlikely to come all the way back to in front of her face. <laughs> okay, that's true. But I just wanted to make the joke. Yeah, yeah it's fine. But I am also now out of notes, so let's let's... Let's call it. Okay. So, yep, that's about all we have for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about 1969 with a special guest. Yes, indeed. If you enjoyed this episode, you should check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find and review both of our podcasts on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah. Yeah.